Hey guys, this is Matt. And this is Sean. Welcome to the show. We're meeting at the crossroads of wellness and sales in an attempt to share different mental, physical, and spiritual tactics to attain better results in your life of sales. We're going to experiment, challenge, and discuss what may or may not work for you in hopes to push you to become the best version of yourself. Hope you enjoy today's show. All right, we are live with Tim. What's going on, man? You know, we're back again, another attempt. Uh, it's going well. You know, the weekend was, was good. I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here and, and see what today uh, has in store for us. I love that. Oh, uh, yeah. So this is our second attempt with Tim. We had a great conversation, but uh, had some technical difficulties. So we're going round two. Round two. Round two with Tim Pereira, who's a mindset optimization coach for Unfulfilled Executives. So Tim, why don't you tell the uh, optimized sales listeners who you are and what you're about? Yeah, for sure. So I, uh, it's kind of interesting. I essentially have taken my background playing sports my whole life, athletics, you know, working as we do in sports, working our tail off to be the best that we can. Transitioned after that into sales role had a bunch of success in sales, you know, got some good promotions, made some good money, moved to New York City to run my own sales office. And like a lot of people who seem to get their vision fuzzy or start to lack purpose or, you know, whatever, I started to burn out. I, my performance started to decline at work. Um, my health started to decline. I ended up going into years of depression and I didn't tell anybody about it. I, I tried to figure it out all, all on my own, and I did everything I could to study top performers, peak performance, mindset, and, and really learn what it ultimately came down to. And so the last couple of years after, after turning the corner with all that and figuring it out, um, I kind of fell into this company of, of helping other guys get through the same thing and ultimately figure out how to reach their own personal peak performance um, by focusing on the mental side, so mental health and physical health as I see it. So that's where I'm at today. Tim is also a jiu-jitsu blue belt, for those who don't know, so be careful with yeah. your words. <laughs> Still a uh, beginner belt, technically, but <laughs> yes. yeah, be careful. Yeah, probably kick my ass on my belt, Matt, you're a big guy, so we'll see. Yeah. Now that, that's awesome, Tim. I know a lot of our, our you know, guests recently have athletic backgrounds, and it seems like kind of a, a common theme there. So can you kind of walk us through like you know, the beginning stages of when you first transitioned from you know, athletics to the work world and kind of mm -hmm. what that was like and what you experienced? Yeah, so I, I played Division two college baseball at Sonoma State, Go Seawolves. Um, you know, I didn't play a lot there. So it wasn't like I was on the team, uh, for sure, but it wasn't like I had all these hopes or expectations, I should say, of being drafted. So I kind of had the slow burn of being like, okay, this isn't, this isn't something I'm going to make a career out of. And however, even though I had a lot of time to integrate that <clears throat> and um, accept it, it was still really hard figuring out what the heck I wanted to do in the work world. And... So it's funny, my, my first job out of school was actually just uh, in a call center for a mortgage and loan servicing company. So I was basically just taking inbound calls all day long. And 
I wasn't making, I, I just was a flat salary, right? So it didn't matter how well I did, but being the ultra competitive person I was, I wanted to smash everybody on the leaderboard. So the amount of calls, your talk time, your efficiency, whatever. And within a few months, I was promoted to manage the team and the team was doing better. And then I'm like, wait, if I'm going to work my tail off and work to be, you know, the best I can be and ultimately, right, my peak, reach my peak performance, I'm like, I want to be compensated for it. I want to make more for, you know, the better I do at my job, like the results that I bring in. So quickly, after only nine months in that role, I'm like, I got to get into sales. And uh, so I ended up, yeah, getting into a sales role. I went and worked for the Padres, actually in the front office, cold calling, season tickets, group sales, suites, such a grind, working, you know, 60 of the 80 home games a year, just long hours, not big paychecks, busting my, you know, ass off. And, um, And then I had a buddy in Silicon Valley who's like, man, he's like, you're working a lot harder than me and you're making like a third of what I'm making. Like you need to get into tech. And so I go, great. So I start looking at jobs and, and I ended up getting for a company that sold point of sale to restaurants, which was perfect for me. My dad has been in the restaurant space for 45 years. I, you know, we've had so many, I knew the industry as well as somebody could know who didn't work in it. Right. Just had all these conversations with him. So I was like, I know what restaurant owners need. I know how to sell. And if I can take what I've learned, uh, you know, through athletics and just my own, I think aspirations to be the best, but also the work ethic that I'm, I was just now at this point figuring out how to transfer after like three or four years to transfer from athletics into my like performance in life or career yeah. as it first started. And so just did that and started figuring out ways I could improve, improve sales calls, improve how I felt during the day, like prime my mind. I started just absorbing books and podcasts on the way to work just to start getting myself like ready for game time as I thought about it, which was like showing up and just demoing the hell out of restaurant owners all day. And like, you know, of course using the stack rankings and everything. And so that was, that was kind of the transition into sales and it was such a good fit. You know, I felt, I felt like I was really good at what I was doing. I loved what I was doing because I loved the restaurant space and I loved, um, you know, genuinely helping these business owners, you know, get the tools they need to, uh, you know, improve their company and improve their own livelihood. And so things went well there. And then they, you know, they kind of started to taper off, which I can get into, but I'll, I can pause there. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too. a lot of athletes, myself included, when you first come out, you know, you're kind of naive, right? You saw that competitive mindset. You're like, I'm going to crush everyone else, but you, you don't have the business acumen to know. Well, they're, <laughs> they're kind of taking advantage of me to, you know, to an extent of whether it's like straight commission or, flat salary and then you kind of become more aware of things but I think that's that's a common theme too as people like enter into into SaaS I mean now it's a lot more common to go like BDR into AE but um, a lot of times you see people coming from like vector marketing selling Cutco or insurance or things like that where they're just like I'm going to crush everyone and they realize wait I'm making like 40k a year I could be making like 300 what am I doing yeah and I think uh, coming out of college or you're still just figuring out what you want to do and just like sales. But what does that mean? Is that selling insurance? Yeah. Is that real estate? Is that freaking pens? And, and that point, at least now, I think it's a lot more transparent on the money that you potentially could make and everything's a bit more in front of you. But to your point, it's like, oh, I'm going to go sell for the Padres. I know baseball, I know this. I'm going to work my butt off. I'm going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. And then someone has to be like, 
working your butt off, but you're not making a lot of money. Um, and I had something similar, right? I started, again, didn't know what I wanted to do, and I had a grind in commercial real estate. Still was kind of a tough time when I got out of college, and it was like wearing a suit in the summer of Atlanta and knocking door to door and you know getting kicked out of buildings. So I think that's similar to working for the Padres. It was a little bit of like, all right, get a little thick skin going, you know, have some influence, and now it's like, well, let's move over to the other side and figure that out and use my skill set as we all have. Um, and then it leads into the successes, but I think obviously we care more about like success you had, but also what led into, you know, where you are today on the, the tougher side and what you experienced and the people you're around and the influences that you might've had at, you know, kind of all those companies that led you to, you know, what you're doing today. So a little bit more of uh, that background would be great. And it sets a good foundation too, just to, like, if you can do this, if you can grind it out and, and you can do it for little pay, then everything above that is you're like, wow, I'm, I'm so grateful to have this opportunity because I did this previously. So I almost think it's it's great to be in that spot because you have that gratitude, you know, moving forward. All right, where were we? So, yeah. <laughs> Talking about, yeah, the roles I can, uh, yeah, jump back in. So, you know, using using those early roles, especially, I think, with, you know, with anybody, like not to necessarily overthink it, hop into a role, get in somewhere where you can learn a ton, you know, again, so even if it's something like, you know, I have a bad, I don't love my manager. He's very micromanaging. He's, you know, all up in my ass, whatever. How can, how can you learn from it? Okay, well, maybe yeah. my takeaways are now I know what to ask a future employer in my next interview process. You know, how you structure one-on-ones. What are, you know, uh, metrics you, you look for? Like, what are characteristics of reps that do well? What happens if a rep struggles? You know, how do you treat that? What's the plan? So, you know, and, and they'll still probably give, um, you know, favorable answers, but at least you can you can start to pick apart and pay attention to how they how they speak when those questions come up, how, you know, you can get a general sense of, of how they approach situations like that. So, so after that, so I was, I was working for the point of sale company. I ended up moving out to New York. I got this awesome promotion to run a sales office out in the middle of Manhattan. I moved from Silicon Valley and I'm like, man, I get paid to move across the country to, you know, such like the most incredible, a city in the U.S., like an iconic city and, you know, kid that grew up in San Diego, like just incredible opportunity. And, um, you know, the company ran in or kind of, you know, private equity firm took over. There were some major changes. And just within a few months, we had things like quota increased twice in, in, I think, three months or four months. And uh, our commission was restructured and lowered twice within four months and there was writing on the wall and i'm like oh man like my commission checks just got cut in half in a matter of four months and i'm still doing the same work so and i know that happens you know and maybe not to that extent um and so i started i started looking elsewhere uh i started exploring i was like okay maybe this isn't the spot i saw a bunch of people and mentors i had early on at the company were leaving it's kind of a mass exodus at the time so I went into a couple other roles. Uh, I went over to another company. I moved to Chicago and, you know, I was trying to get back into an individual contributor role. And I was thinking, I was like, okay, I get into an IC role. I work my way up market. Now I can start making big bucks in, you know, true enterprise uh, deals. So that was my idea. Six months into working at the company, you know, talk about culture having an effect on you, the team culture, 
was just so cutthroat. Nobody was on the same team. Nobody cared if you did well. They were all looking over your shoulder. Like if you had a big sale, it would uh, the the sentiment or the the vibe on the team was like, oh, you you know, you probably got lucky, or just fell into your lap. It was just it was toxic. Um, so I ended up just quitting. Team. Yeah. No. And, um, you know, as a company, a lot of people love to work at. So I just figured it was my team or the floor we were on. And I was walking to work one day and literally Monday morning. And I'm like, you know, I was like, I haven't been waking up early. I've been before I was waking up every morning, 5 a.m., going to the gym, working out, doing my routine. And I was like, man, for the last couple months, I haven't been doing that. I've been drinking a little bit more. I'm like, I stopped taking care of myself and the things that were important to me. And then I was saying, I was like, man, I am so unhappy right now walking into work. And I walked in and I quit and I put in my notice. I'm like, this is not worth it. Uh, and two days later I was in a beach in Mexico, but, um, you know, and then, so then I went, I went back to work for the company I was at before I got, I covered, you know, a part central U S and enterprise sales. It was kind of the job I was hoping to get before they gave me the promotion to manager um, so it was great. I was working remote. The boss wasn't awesome. Uh, very micromanaging. Shouldn't have been managing people. Um, you know, and it was a challenging position. And so anyway, so after a few years, I was in the state, I bounced around, I'm in a different city. I was really, really lacking fulfillment in my job. I, I did not feel like I was good at my job anymore. I was lacking kind of purpose. I didn't know why I was going. I was like, what am I just like waking up to hustle and be at top of the leaderboard? I already did that. And I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't like this sustained feeling of awesomeness. No, I was like, it was rad to win an award or president's club or whatever. But I'm like, yeah, two weeks later, I'm like, oh, I'm just still back to hanging out with me all the time. And this is all in, in what I will say is like, this is all realized in hindsight. And so during the time, I just figured, oh, it's probably because I need a different job. It's a it's a different role I need. So I, I changed jobs four times in four years. I moved across country four times in five years. There was even a point where I was going to just, I was literally going to leave the country. I got a work visa to go work in Australia for a year. I was going to coach CrossFit. I was going to bartend. And just the point of that was to figure out what the hell I wanted in life and what to do. I'm like, man, I feel like I have so much more to give than just demo all day or just hit a quota, you know? And so I'm a month away from going to Australia and I'm set and I'm like, I still don't have anywhere to work out there. And then a buddy calls me uh, who used to be a mentor at this, uh, the company I had some success at. And he's like, hey, uh, he, he basically recruited me to this new startup. He was sending me screenshots of how much people were making, um, and their commission checks for the quarter. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like, that's different kind of money. And, um, so I canceled my Australia plans. I moved back to San Francisco and I work with this company and, um, you know, was ended up being a pretty toxic culture. Uh, wasn't, wasn't the same vibe I think as it was when he started and, ultimately just everything came to a head. So COVID hit, I ended up, this was at the peak. This was kind of in year four of depression I was going yeah. through. And, you know, I was, I was partying a lot on the weekends to really, what I see now is just to escape from the lack of purpose and fulfillment and vision during the week. I was, you know, a lot of my moves, a lot of job changes, I see them as just escape mechanisms. 
I was trying to find answers to why I felt like shit all the time. I was trying to find those answers outside of me. I, I felt like, okay, if I make this amount of money, I'll feel great. Okay, once I get this promotion, okay, I'm going to move back to San Francisco. Once I get an apartment by the water, okay, then I'll feel great. Okay, once I'm at the level these guys are at, once I get these stock options, what you know, so everything else, I was putting my happiness and my well-being out into the future and something outside of me. Yeah. And COVID hit, I missed quota, and I ended up getting fired. And, um, it was, you know, pretty much an all time low. I'm like, I, what am I going to, I was like, I can't go back and to do the same job. It kind of all came to a head. It all hit me. I'm like, wait a sec. I can't go back to do the same thing because it hasn't made me happy. It's not the amount of money I'm making because I've made plenty of money and I still feel like crap. I don't feel like I'm performing up to my potential that I'd seen myself perform in the professional world and in life and baseball and how I took care of myself. I'm like, I'm so far removed from that. How do I get back to it? And the turning point for me, um, or kind of the epiphany that started it, I should say, um, was hearing the idea that everything in our lives is neutral. Objectively, everything is just what it is and it's neutral. All meaning good or bad comes from inside our own mind. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, man, all the cities I lived in, you know, all the nights out partying, all the, you know, nights I was just like depressed and I had to like leave the bar where my friends were because I felt like I was just going to burst into tears because I felt so alone and I had no idea why. Like very foreign feeling to me, right, at the time. Feelings didn't exactly fit my brand at this point in my life. Um, And... I was like, man, all of those scenarios, there's only been one constant and it's been me. And so it was that moment where I knew I needed to shift all my priorities. I needed to shift my focus and start figuring out how to change what the hell was going on in my head. I had to figure out how to reset my perspective on life, how to get back to living the life that I wanted to. And so for the next you know, that's all I did for the next few months. I didn't have a job. I was waking up. That's all I was doing. I was reading all day. I was medita- I started meditating a ton. I was listening to interviews with experts on, you know, mindset and performance and well-being and spirituality. Like no topic that I wouldn't, there's nothing too weird for me to try out, right? When it comes to my well-being, I, I was like, you know, I'll try anything at this point. I don't care. And a few months later, three or four months later, I completely turned the corner and I was a man on a mission. I was waking up 5 a.m. every day again, just absolutely with a fire under me to create something that could help other guys get out of the trench that I felt it, like I was in for years. And so that's kind of how I fell into this, you know, to, to bring to present day. I, I didn't go to school to be a coach. I didn't ever set out to be like, I want to work with guys. It's like, no, it just kind of happened. I was like, man, I did all these things to find out and figure out how to turn my shit around, get back to living up to the potential I knew I could, and also becoming extremely healthy and feeling my best consistently and at a high level. And I just started having guys reach out initially asking me what I did, and that turned into like, oh, let me put some things together for you. Let's hop on a call. What are you struggling with? Here, take these suggestions and fast forward. Um, You know, now I do one-on-one coaching with guys and then I'm launching uh, an academy, an online academy towards the end of the year to help them. That's awesome. I think my first question 
kind of looking at that is, you know, those four years where you're going, switching some jobs and moving back and forth through the country and, you know, seemingly going through some depression. Did you have any outlets that you shared any of this with family, friends, mentor at all? No, not, not one person. And I think that's one thing I, I try and share with guys is like, you know, it's, the stigma around men's mental health specifically is, yep. you know, we feel like we should handle our shit on our own. Um, we don't want others to worry. We, you know, we're embarrassed that we're going through. We, we feel like we should have our shit figured out. And all those things, you know, stop me from getting help. The one time I did, um, actually, I, I reached out. I finally, I was at a super low point and I found a psychiatrist in Chicago. It was like 25 minutes out of town. I drove up there, I set an appointment, I had a hoodie on, a hat on, sunglasses on, walking into the bill. I was just like, I was shaking. I was like so yeah. terrified of someone seeing me. And within five minutes, like I saw the appointment, sat down in front of her, I told her what was going on. I wasn't feeling great. I was doing, you know, it's easy. And her, the first words out of her mouth were, well, we can write you a prescription for that today. Mm. And I was, I was boiling to hear that. And I said, fuck that. And I got up and walked out. And I was like, man, I would, and that's, that's really what motivates me to work with guys. I was like, I know it takes so much to get to the point to ask for help as a man. We don't know what to do. We we're so frustrated that we've tried all these things. We can't figure it out. And to get to that point takes a lot of courage and a lot of strength. And yeah, to have somebody sit in front of you and just want to write you a prescription and get you out the door. I was like, no, absolutely not. That's not how I operate. Yeah. And on that note, you know, there are so many doctors that will do that. And then there's the very few that will go, okay, well, let's, let's run through a couple things before we mm-hmm. go down that road. You know, what does your sleep look like? What does your diet look like? What does your mm-hmm. exercise routine look like? How often are you getting sunlight? Are you doing any kind of cold exposure, right? Because if, if we can check the boxes on all those things and you're still depressed, then let's, let's look at, at things kind of beyond it, right? So that's like the, the physical, physical things you can do, but also like situational things as mm-hmm. well because i think there's also the aspect too of like if you know you should be doing things that you're not doing you're not taking action that that just that wears on me i think there's a lot of those days where here's the list of uh, of things i need to get done and i did like half of it i was lazy today yep. you're gonna feel yeah. better about yourself so yeah i, I think the a, a stigma too there is is and you would you wish that the and it depends if you see psychiatrist or psychologist or, or who you see but yeah it can be very very you know overwhelming and, and you have to sort through so many things almost like your speed dating therapist to find like a good one yeah uh, but but yeah you wish the common thing would be well, why don't you just why didn't you ask me what am i eating because if my diet is if i'm eating like shit of course i'm gonna feel bad if i'm not working out of course i'm gonna feel bad if I'm, you know if i'm not doing all of these things initially then why would you even think about writing a prescription before you have me check those boxes man yeah you're right and because my, you know, my mindset was, it's not for a lack of effort. I'm like, I, I felt like I needed direction and guidance and for them to be like, okay, just do these things. Or, or first of all, take inventory. So what's going on? How are you feeling? Then, you know, what are you doing? What are your inputs? Are you working out? Are you, okay, so you're working out less. Okay, how can, like, let's put together a game plan, you know, and not just write something up. And certainly there are times when people need prescriptions to just improve quality of life enough so they can start taking action. That wasn't me in the moment. I was like, I want some structure. I want guidance. And yeah, maybe like come in here and share 
what I'm going through. But that was that was kind of secondary. And, um, you know, because I still had the fire. It was just there's a bunch of sand on it, as I say, you know, like it was just buried a little bit. But I just needed I felt like a little bit of direction, a little bit of a plan and some guidance to get me back on track. And so that's that's kind of like the guy I try and work with, you know, where it's like, no, there's a fire in there or these guys believe they've experienced high performance at some point or they know they have potential and they're just frustrated as hell that, you know, they're not firing all, on all cylinders at the time. And, and obviously, you know, they can't figure out why they don't know what to do. Yeah, that's why I love, uh, you know, you watch Billions and you see Wendy Rhodes doing all the performance coaching and, and people are down in a slump and she just gets it out of them, right? And it's like you just got to know how to trigger people and get them motivated. But I think mm-hmm. the, the biggest issue that we all see is that avenue hasn't been there for most of us, right? And we've said this plenty of times where it's like, you know, if you don't have that outlet and you don't want to go to your boss and be like, you know, I'm depressed, then your boss is going to think, all right. Tim, Sean, and Matt, they're not going to perform this quarter this year. And then you start thinking like that. And that's where um, we're seeing more and more of that changing. We're, but that's like the path that needs to happen. I think it's, you know, coaches like you that are needed, especially for the athletes that historically haven't been able to ask those questions or share those thoughts. And obviously for, mm-hmm. for you, your first thought is, all right, let's, let's figure this out versus the let's diagnose you immediately without asking those questions and give you the meds. Um, yeah. So I love that. Yeah, I, I want to do everything I can on my own. You know, like I, you know, that's still selfish of me and, and, and everything. And I, I think it's what is, you know, is a big driver and, and why I do what I do. But I'm like, no, I want to literally try everything uh, possible before I go to, you know, kind of these exogenous interventions. Um, yeah. And, and another kind of, you know, point as you're, speaking through this that comes to mind is just the word you know fulfillment and chasing that versus other things and when you're younger you know a lot of times you, you don't know what that is and you're still figuring that out and yes yeah. like you said you chase the money even if you have heard from 100 people and and read it repeated in books over and over you know money's not going to bring happiness if you chase this i mean how many times have you heard it from how many different people yeah but but when you're you know kind of young and stubborn you're like well i have to see it for myself right and, and that mm-hmm. can be a, a common theme too across a lot of people is just, well, I guess the money will make me happy. Mm-hmm. Really, it's, it's, it's the fulfillment. So I'd love to hear kind of your, you know, how you transitioned into starting this business initially and, then, and, and how you really kind of got the first clients. Yeah, so initially when I started the company two years ago, I wanted to, so my strategy, like it's still funny, I still have my original brand strategy, like all kind of business plan deck where I just talk about pillars and messaging and mission. And and the mission was to help guys become healthy and become happy, really simple. And what I wanted to do, I was like, I don't know how that's going to transpire over the years, but I'm going to start making athletic gear first. And I'm going to just work to put out some content that shares everything I've learned. And then athletic gear, of course, you know, can be great to wear while you're outside exercising and doing stuff. And fast forward a few years, we or um, 18 months or so, and, you know, manufactured things overseas, got some athletic shorts, and they ended up being awesome and incredible, but ran into some challenges with the manufacturer, the manufacturer, we had to find another one, costs went up. Anyway, so a lot of things led to me being like, okay, well, 
this, I need to, I, I, the mission is still strong. I still want to do the company, but I just need to change how I deliver it. And so while I was, uh, as I was talking about earlier, I started talking to all these guys and sharing what I was doing. And, and during, you know, the year or so while we were developing uh, apparel or the shorts to, to be uh, put into production, I had over a hundred conversations with different guys, just interviews, guys reaching out, wanting to chat. And I essentially just by nature of talking to them, I kind of developed a coaching program of all the things I was sharing them all or sharing with them. Um, you know, what they needed, the main requests, you know, being, Hey, I, I, I don't have a network of like-minded guys that feel how I feel guys where, you know, their support or their partner and their parents, maybe, or their family and friends support the hell out of them, but don't necessarily get what they're going through, you know, where maybe they've, they're successful on paper, but they're like, man, there's just, there's a void inside. Like something still feels off. And they're like, I, I just, I would, it would be great to have other guys that are, see themselves as high performers and maybe in a rut right now, um, or have made it through the rut and just be able to connect with those guys, figure out what they did. What are the best practices? What do I need to do every single day? Give me a clear plan. Let me try things on my own and then be part of a community that holds me accountable and supports me. I heard that response from so many guys. So I was like, okay, I know what I need to do. I need to make a cohort program. So I started doing group coaching and then I said, okay, it would be awesome if there was an online community. So I launched an online community at 50 guys signed up for in February where they can just come in. You know, we have group calls, we give them resources and just everything they need to, you know, reach their own personal peak performance. So it, it, while the mission didn't change at all, the means changed, right? I went from uh, producing athletic gear and now I can actually feel like I hone into a lot more of my skill set and interests and things I'm just obsessed with, which is mental performance, you know, physical well-being, improved sleep, having more energy. Like I love nutrition. I got a nutrition certification for fun, you know, earlier in the year. So all these things I'm like, wow, now I can put all these together and really work with people one-on-one and have a real impact where I still felt I was going to before. But now I'm like, man, I'm on calls with guys. I'm seeing their progress. They're asking me questions. They're updating me on how well they're doing. And it's just been incredible. And I think going back to fulfillment and what you wanted to do. So rewind five years for five years ago or six years ago now for the few years leading up to that, I knew I wanted to start my own business. And I always wanted to get into the health and wellness space because I just have been obsessed with it for so long. It's like my main hobby. Uh, and um, But I was like the only position or the only profession that was realistic that I was thinking about was a personal trainer. And I was like, that's I don't want to do that. That's not what I'm like most jazzed about. I was like, I want to help people with mindset, set healthy habits, perform at a high level, et cetera. And I was like, I don't even know. That's not even a thing. You know, I can't do it. So I put it off for years and years and years. So starting what I'll say is taking the leap to start the company, even though I started with shorts, even though I started with apparel, that got the ball rolling. It got my foot in the door of entrepreneurship. It at least got me started so that the vision became ultra, ultra clear just a few months later. And now it's like, oh, now we're laser focused. Now it all makes sense. It's fully aligned with what I want, like what I really want to help people with, what I'm interested in, what I'm good at. And it just feels like finally, like everything I've gone through makes sense at this point. 
you know, because I think I allowed myself to take the leap to start, you know, again, to take action and tap into things that interest me and not just think about money. And I say all that because that's pretty much, I use the same blueprint for guys that I work with as I did for myself because I know it works. So when you, when you started this out and you said you did the group setting first, Mm-hmm. Are you are you now you, are you more focused on like the you know one to one with uh, individual people or how has it been in a group setting? Because I know when you're in, in more of a group setting, and this is more depending on the, the sales leadership that's in place and things like that, but that can be a little more I'd say challenging because we're still kind of at that point where with you know COVID helped a lot to kind of push the the uh, importance of mental health and kind of paying attention to this kind of stuff, but. Have you tried group settings? How's the, the, the feedback been? Because it seems like a lot of the sales training is more people want to see like tactical stuff. And when yeah. you get into this, this, this can get into kind of like the hippy dippy land where the old school leadership's like, eh, I don't know about this. And then when you're in a group setting too, it's kind of hard to get everyone's attention. So do you find it more effective to do like the one to one or group setting? Just curious about that. Well, so there's benefits. I I would say there's different benefits for both. What has been incredible with the group setting, for one, I keep them small. So between only four and six guys. Um, The best part about that is the connection that they're able to get with other guys in the group. When the group is small like that, let's say four guys, you're able to quickly build trust and it's a safe space and voices don't get lost in the crowd like you might get in a 10 or 15 person cohort. And so guys get to know each other. We share, you know, like what we're struggling with this week, what our goal is this week, what, you know, we crushed the last week. You know, it, it provides really strong accountability and, and then support as well for these calls. So, you know, how I'll structure the calls, for example, is we'll cover a main topic to start the call, just typically a thought-provoking question, have a little conversation, hear everybody's answers, what it means. I'll typically provide one-to-one feedback or coaching based on the answers I get so everybody gets to hear what's going on and then we go right into reviewing the week what challenges we have so again more one-to-one coaching but I think what it does is it allows guys in the cohort to see oh shit I'm not alone you know like he's also going through that or he's been through all of that and that was you know, going back to the conversations I had with guys, that was the number one thing that was requested to me or that people felt like was missing. They're like, they're missing connection and not just connection, but also being in an environment where people are striving towards the same goals. They have similar challenges and they just get it. You see eye to eye, right? It, It literally is like being on a team. You have a similar mission. You all have your own challenges. You know, you're working your tail off every day. And there was just such a big impact through these cohorts, right? Through these groups. And, and honestly, I, I, the connection piece was something I probably had way lower on my list. If I had a list of 10 things, I was like, yeah, it'll be important, but you know, not huge. And, and seeing the impact it had on these guys throughout the cohort and how much they connected with the other guys and support each other and lifted each other up and held each other accountable and challenged each other. I mean, it was, I don't want to say it was surprising, but it was just... It was incredible to see. And, you know, so with the one-on-one where I get a lot more time to do direct feedback and get, you know, deeper with challenges and self-limiting beliefs and really help iron out vision and goals and values, 
And I always try and share my own challenges that I went through in my own story to relate to them. But definitely what's missing in a one-on-one setting is, you know, kind of the greater or a greater relation to other people that are going through similar challenges. There's something about that that just makes you feel seen as a person that, that I don't know, allows, allows guys to really flourish and, and um, you know, tap into their potential that, you know, had been suppressed for a long time. So within those group settings, what, what is like the most common kind of recurring theme that you see? Exactly what I was about to ask. Yeah, because I'd like to see what you're seeing over and over again. Yeah, from kind of a, like a meta level, it's the level of awareness guys gain through the cohort. Through these conversations... And when other people share their chat, so when guys come in, right, there are all these self-limiting beliefs that we're not aware of, right? They're unconscious. We don't know they're there. So part of my job, especially in the beginning, is to bring those to the surface. It can be a little uncomfortable, but it's like, this is why, this is what's holding you back from doing what you want in life, okay? And helping them articulate it, maybe even helping them figure out where that limiting belief came from. So building awareness is always the first step. You have to become aware of what you want and what's getting in your way. And then also how committed you are to getting it. That's, that's also uh, vital. And so what happens in these group settings is we have conversations around all of these, all, every, everything everybody wants, what they feel is getting in their way. So guys will share, this is my challenge this week. You know, this is, uh, this is why I didn't do what I said I was going to do. This is that the morning habit I said I was going to do every day. Yeah, I did it two days. And so my job is to have them elaborate and have them explain. And then ultimately, I get them to a point to not necessarily call them out on it, but get them hyper, hyper aware of why they're not doing what they say they want to do. So it's all all about expanding their awareness. Like we all do the best we can within the level of awareness we have. And so the impact that a cohort has is they get so much more exposure to other challenges and other self-limiting beliefs that they often see in themselves once they hear it. They're like, oh my God, I do the same thing. And so what it does is it just puts this awareness um, you know, into uh, hyperspeed, right? So they're just able to relate to other guys, be like, oh my gosh, I do the same thing. And then when I, you know, I try and uh, again, dive into it or give a little bit of coaching and it just helps these guys for one, recognize they're not alone, which is massive to know. And then also to get them really aware of what the problem is. Obviously you can't fix a problem unless you're aware of it or a blockage or, you know, an obstacle, whatever it is. So I feel, I feel like far and away, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, just yeah, the awareness portion of it, and I think just not having a, a forum for this for you know for men at least um, that we've, we've seen is, is is huge. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's new new to a lot of folks. It's like you say, we all bottle it up and feel like if, if we have to talk about anything, it's it's weak and and are, and are afraid of, of just kind of having that stigma. And it's I, I it's still like in my head, I'm still thinking like. Man, should I say this? Should I not? Yeah. Like, I don't want to get pussy. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's constantly there. You, you know, you follow people like Jocko and stuff, you're like, God damn, I'm weak, right? <laughs> yeah. This, this guy is just at the complete end of the spectrum where 
it's like, do I strive to be that guy? Do I strive to be the guy that opens up? You kind of, you know, but just having having that group saying to be able to voice those thoughts is great. Yeah, here this is what I think. I think there's a, the idea of the warrior poet, right? Or like, there's balance. Like you're able to have balance. I think it, guys, we only see it as one way or another, right? Like I was watching a bunch of David Goggins videos yesterday. I was trying to find a good one to post on my Instagram. And I'm like, and he talks a lot about, he's like, I got to cut out my inner bitch. He's like, and he's like, again, this has nothing to do with gender. He's like, it's just me like being weak. And uh, I was just laughing. I was smiling. I was like, it's so true. We have it. But I'm like, but it doesn't have to be so binary. Like as guys, we think it's binary. We think we either, you know, have to be super tough and like on this end of the spectrum or we're on the other end of the spectrum and we talk about emotions and stuff. Here's the thing. Every human being experiences the same emotions. Okay. And so how I view it, this is, this is what has made the most sense to me and had the biggest impact is recognizing that it's just part of the human experience. And the better you can get at separating yourself from your, the emotions your body is producing, like just view those emotions as feedback signals, right? If you get sad, if you get embarrassed, if you get scared, if you're ashamed, that's just your body trying to tell you something. Like we don't have to sit there and identify with it. We don't have to, you know, have it mean something about who we are as a person. But what we don't want to do is just bury it and resist those feelings as they come up, right? Because that's going to fester underneath the surface and manifest in different ways, often in like coping mechanisms or like in my case, escape mechanisms. So in that, in the idea that, dude, you can be a complex person. You're able to have, you know, the ability to be, you know, training MMA and hitting a heavy bag one day. And then another day, like maybe you go home and you love reading, I don't know, like novels about love and romance. Like, I don't know, like you're just, it's okay. Like you're able to do all of it. And where, where people kind of freak out or they what I feel like it comes down to is they don't have a great idea of who they are as a person. And once you have a rock solid foundation of who you are, what you're about, what you're okay with, you know, that emotions don't define you. You're not scared of emotions that coming up. Like you're just rock solid in who you are. Then none of that stuff matters. Like it just doesn't affect you. Yeah, and, and I think for me, yeah, I always laugh kind of, Goggins is always like, yeah. heard this quote the other day where he's like, people always talk about buds and like they're a hard ass for six months. He's like, you, you gotta be hard ass 24 seven the rest of your life, you gotta wake up. And I'm like, <laughs> obviously he's, he's the complete outlier, but I think to the same yeah. things that you're talking about is, it's simply, it's like the acknowledgement of all of those feelings and thoughts now right it doesn't always mean you need to act on them but so long as i think a lot of times you have a coach or a group setting we can start talking about them and acknowledging them broader that helps to be the constant reminder but knowing now moving forward all right not bottling stuff up or acknowledging i I am going through a tough time right because that and we've used this analogy before on being an athlete where it'll it'll all catch up to you right so not letting Mm -hmm. any of that go more than a day and then a week and then a month yeah not so it's like all right not you know what, I can't do anything about it right now, but you know, that was a bad day. That was a bad week. And then it turns into like, all right, now it's kind of gone on a little bit longer. Now I want to go talk to, to Tim about yeah. this. And I think it's just a, a lot of the daily and 
weekly and monthly acknowledgement of all those little things that add up. And again, finding all the positives too, um, but also the negatives. And it's just like, listen, I'm not going to be perfect all the time, but I know I can reflect back and understand that I had a conscious thought of whatever that one thing feeling was. Mm -hmm. And now I can kind of use that to my advantage, whatever that is. And I think it just takes the first unbottling and sometimes now having more outlets, it's, it's a positive, but you know, for a lot of people, it's a complete, you went through depression. It's like one big thing that might happen in your life. And then hey, we wish that on the no one, but sometimes that's what it takes. And then after that, it's like, mm-hmm. right, what is that constant reminder? Like I've got a good friend of mine and we talk about many things and religion, family, financial, all that. And we always find ourselves when we're having these conversations and, you know, hopefully patting each other back for the areas that we're doing good, that it's more so just, Hey, this is just a little reminder, like keep these things top of mind. And when they're going the wrong direction, it's either have that outlet to talk about it, acknowledge it. So you don't go down the wrong path, you know, too far before you, you know, you can't go back, I guess is a big mm-hmm. thing. So I think just the acknowledgement is, is huge for everyone. Yeah. And you know, my, what I would encourage people to do, like if you're in a situation like understanding that resistance leads to suffering. So when something's happening and we don't want it to happen, right? So the, you know, the example with feelings that come up, oh, well, definitely as guys, we're not taught how to process all of our feelings growing up, for sure. There's no school for that. And so there's a lot of unfamiliar feelings and unfamiliar ones that we don't like. And so what do we do? We, We resist them. We don't want them to come up. We bury them. And that's ultimately what leads to suffering. And so one of the things that I like doing that, and you can just next time something comes up or if you're feeling a certain way, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling sad, if you're whatever, is just pose the question to yourself. Just say, you know, what would it feel like if I was able to let go? If like, what would it feel like if this didn't bother me? Yeah. Okay. And you might have to ask it to yourself 10 times, right? But like, how how light would I feel if I wasn't affected by this, right? Just think about it. Like if you're, you know, some, you're scared at work, right? You're going to hit, you're going to miss quota maybe, and you're super stressed about it. And you're nervous that it's going to, okay, you're going to drop on the leaderboard. People are going to think you suck at your job. You know, your spouse is going to question like, dude, you didn't bring home, you know, the same amount of money. Okay. Just pose the question. What would it feel like if I was okay with this result? Like either way, I, I, it doesn't mean I want it to happen. I'm still going to work my yeah. tail off. But what if it just at my core level, I'm totally at peace with this result, with whatever happens. And it just, what it does is it just takes the pressure off a little bit. And it just gives you a glimpse into a future where you are not like your inner world and your inner well-being is not dictated and controlled by what is happening outside of you. Yeah, I wonder to that point, how how do you think, you know, because we've all talked about like having our tough starts and working a job that was really hard. And I think a lot of that instilled mm-hmm. in like the feelings that we had. I wonder how is it possible to coach or train someone when they're first starting out their sales career to think, kind of that mindset because it's tough because there's like a little bit of like you need to have that grit and use that as motivation and not being okay with it but now we're all sitting here talking about like once you've gone down that path I wonder how we can kind of coach young up-and-coming salespeople men to be okay with 
the, the failures, yep. I guess, when they're starting out their career. So I think what first what comes first is figuring out what you want and figuring out your mission, right? Because that's ultimately what you come back to, things that are important to you, your values. That should be at the base. And so, again, you, even if, let's say, a younger person starting their career, yeah, they don't know, you know, most of the time, I would say, like, what they want to do their whole career. But they know, they should be able to articulate, at least with maybe a little bit of guidance, what's important to them at that moment. Maybe it is, hey, I want to make, make enough money to live on my own. Great. You know, that's, that's important to me. Like, I want to learn as many skills as I can. So it puts me in a good position to do something down the line. Like, I want to spend as much time as possible with my friends before they go off and get married and I never see them. You know, I, I want to get, I was out of shape in college. I put on some LBs. Now I want to get in shape and be just a specimen and be at my peak. So it, at least there are some things that they want and you can identify what's important to you. So you create those and maybe you create values from them, right? So, okay, hey, these are the three things that you've identified as being the most important thing to you in your life right now. They can change over time, right? That's that's totally fine. And then from there, maybe we set up some goals or uh, like I like processes or more project-based type stuff than goals. Like uh, what do we want to work towards as opposed to like what outcome do we want to achieve, if that makes sense. And so when you're in a situation you know, if you're learning, it doesn't mean like you avoid all the hard tasks. It just means like, okay, I am not going to let this job stress me out to a point that it's affecting my mental health because I have a greater vision. I have these values that I'm hyper-focused on and that is what is most important to me. Okay. And I am doing these things. I've chosen this job or like I am taking lessons from this job or this situation in my life and applying them or, you know, pulling from them so they are aligned with my values. So that should be the hyper focus, the intention that's being set every day, the goals, like every action that you're doing around the day should be aligned with those values. And I think that's where a lot of people, they don't have a foundation to stand on because, you know, of course, a lot of people don't know their purpose, definitely not their values or even like a personal mission if you, you know, if heard that a few times. And so it makes it really hard to find meaning and understanding within a particular moment. When you have meaning and understanding in your life and a direction you're going, everything else is very manageable. And then from there, you can more work to be like, okay, how can I better prime myself so I'm not affected by external circumstances? And instead, I am laser focused on making the best possible inner world that I have so I can handle anything thrown my way. Yeah, and, and to add on to that, it's like, you know, to Sean's point, when you're young, also, what are you tying your identity to? If my identity when I'm younger is like, just my, all I have is my job, right? I'm single, no kids, like, point. this is my world, right? And, and it's, I think it's more challenging now when you are your quota, because what else do you have outside of that? Like, you know, yeah. with friends, watching football or whatever. But as you go on, like you said, when you tie something to a greater cause, then it sort of takes that pressure off because you're like, no, I'm not, I'm not my quota. And if I don't hit it and I, you know, and I were to lose my job, then is it the end of the world? Am I going to die? No, there's, there's you know, millions of companies out there I could, I could go to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm doing the right things, if I'm taking the action, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing at my job and I have that kind of grand revision, then you, you, you're probably going to hit your goals. The chances are mm-hmm. if, if all your, your ducks are in a row, and the setup's good, and you know, product market fits there, and you're, you're doing the activity, 
then you should be hitting those goals. But yeah, don't tie your identity to that job, to the court, yeah. to the number, to the president's club, whatever it is, because that can be very common. And, and it's, I will say, as I've gotten older, it's been helpful to have like kids and things like that and, yep. and things outside of work that I go, all right, today was rough, but I get to go pick up my daughters at daycare, get to play with them, I get to see the joy on their faces, they're going to run, you know, daddy, daddy, right? Like that's, I get so such fulfillment out of that. And, you know, kind of going back to the fulfillment uh, point, they're having something outside of that. It could be volunteering at a nursing home or, or you know, something, some active service if that's what does it for you. But, mm-hmm. you know, detaching from, detaching your identity from the job of Gordon. It's such a crucial point. I'm so glad you said that because what it now what it becomes is quota becomes part of the plan. It no longer is the plan. Like your when you have that greater vision, right? It's just as okay. So if you're working something, you know, if you're a younger rep and you're working to build something, you wanna, you know, you have aspirations to be successful, which is you know awesome. Like set you know set the bar high, set your sights high. Now. Yeah, hitting quota is just like a piece of everything you're working on. And you can still work your ass off to get there, you know, and do everything you can. But it no longer, just like you said, like it is not your identity, right? You have to start creating like your being and and everything you're about as a person to be so much more than, you know, your worth being tied to how you did in Q1. And, and when you start to do that, it's funny, you start to hit quota more. Exactly. When, yeah. When the, when yeah. the pressure's off, you go, wow, Nailed it. Now, I'm, <laughs> now I'm actually hitting it, right? Because yeah. this whole, doesn't mean you don't, you know, you don't work your ass off to hit it, but all of a sudden it starts to come to you. You start to, I mean, literally the law of attraction, you're, you're bringing these things to yeah. you. So um, just one kind of final piece before we wrap up here, I want to get your thoughts on, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, just with all the different routines I've tried and supplements and things like that is just this idea of really boiling things down and doing an analysis of what does my routine look like and what am I doing that is uh, like procrastination in disguise because I think a lot of times too you can go well I can't I can't do my job until I you know do my meditation and my breath work and my exercise and this and all of a sudden you're four hours into your day and you haven't even done anything yet so I think yeah what, what I've you know, reassessed a lot is looking at what is the routine and how can I at least combine things together and eliminate eliminate things that maybe maybe I'm just procrastinating in disguise and and kind of shifting and taking that bias toward action. So mm-hmm. I was curious to kind of get your thought your thoughts on that as as it becomes more commonplace because I'm sure you've run into people that I read you know 100 books last year. I did I did this and I've done this routine. It's like that's great, but what are you doing with that? What action are you taking? Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think this is what I do. Like if you're questioning that what what your routines and your days ultimate everything should be aligned. Okay, so I come back to you got to have the foundation, you got to have the starting pillars, you got to have your greater vision that you want for your life. And look, vision can even be like what I'll have some guys do They're like, man, I don't know what the hell I want to do with my life. I go perfect. Spend time and write out what your ideal day looks like. Write it out in great detail. What kind of coffee you're drinking, what you're doing in the morning. Are you getting sunshine? Are you taking a dip in the ocean? Are you seeing friends? Are you going to train somewhere? Are you working out? Like, are you going out to dinner? Like, just start writing. Like, there's no right or wrong answers, but it gives us an idea. So then from there, what we can start to figure out among with, you know, some other uh, awareness building questions is just what's important to you in your life. 
And then what do you want like as goals or projects based on that is very much aligned with what you've just identified as the most important things in your life? Okay. Now, just to keep simplifying it, now we say, okay, when you wake up in the morning, what are one to three things that you can do every single day that will get you closer to the person you want to become, the projects you've outlined, the goals you've highlighted. So everything should be very clear and intentional and have a plan and be aligned with that. Okay, so that's that's kind of the non-starter. That should be at its most. So if there's anything in your routine where you're like, I'm kind of just doing this and it's not really aligned with what you know my values are, what I want to do, that's the easy, you know, easy thing to cross off. Second is like, I firmly believe you should be fired up to do your routine. It should prime you. It should get you in the best possible mindset to do whatever it is you need to do during the day. And so if there are things that you dread doing every morning, I mean like, you know, okay, things like not everybody is like fired up to work out at 5 a.m. every morning, but you know it's a you know, has a huge impact on your well-being. It's very much aligned with your goals. You feel great after you do it. Okay, that is that is something that, you know, probably needs to stay in the routine. But if you find yourself like dreading having to sit and meditate for 20 minutes or, you know, whatever else you've lined up during the day, then maybe like let's look at those things and adjust them. You know, or if there's things like you said, yeah, I kind of just stack four or five things to do and it's, you know, just essentially delaying my start to the day, like, you have to just get brutally honest, I would say. And one of the questions you can ask is like, what is if you want to just strip it all back and say, you know, what is one thing I can do each morning, that is going to have the biggest impact on me getting or getting me closer to my goals, or creating the life I want. And it can help just to strip it all back and be like, what, you know, maybe what am I doing now? What is the one thing that I'm doing right now that I absolutely cannot live without, that I absolutely need to keep in my morning? And you could start that way and then maybe add another one, right? So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I haven't, um, I haven't heard, I, I think, you know, people using it as a, as a delay to the work day. But was there, is there anything that you're doing in particular in the morning that you find yourself just kind of stacking to stack? No, it was more just kind of noticing in the community or, or even myself looking at what I'm doing and what can I, what can I shrink down? What can I, you know, maybe do three times a week versus every day. And just thinking about that, like just more like optimizing time and okay, can I hit all these things in a day, but take it down? Like, like for example, yeah, what do if you I do? Know, yeah, if I know I need to stretch, right? Let, let me combine sauna, stretching, and a little bit of meditation in 20 minutes. That way, we're just doing things in the sauna so I can get sauna benefits while also, like I said, hitting hitting those other things I need to hit. So then I'm not doing sauna, just sitting there not doing anything, then doing stretching, then doing meditation. I can combine kind of those three together, get a quick little meditation session, and mm-hmm. um, then boom, that, that box is checked. So think, things like that. Or... Like yep. the cold, you know, doing a cold plunge, which I finally got one one for the house here. So I don't need yeah. fifteen minutes. I can do like what is the what's the minimal effective dosage? Do I need fifteen minutes? No, I don't. I need four. You know, four is about the the most I need, so then I can get back another mm-hmm. ten minutes. So just just kind of things like that. Yeah, and then also also just um, 
kind of hear, hearing people in the community and, and what there's, I have to do all these things and more of sort of what I'm, what I'm seeing pop up and, and it seems kind of like people just kind of crushing all the books and like just like, like mental masturbation of, of motivational yeah, videos and, and this and that and, and they, they just are kind of, and if you were to look at their life, you're like, yeah, but like you're doing all this stuff and then you're only working like four hours. So just something to think about. Yeah. It's like efficiency or effectiveness. Right. And I think right. it's great to try yeah. a bunch of things. I think, you know, if people are struggling, what I, what I do love doing is making sure you check the box every day. So Seinfeld had this thing where, you know, he would have a red X counter every day. He wrote a joke, he would write a red X on the counter and his whole thing was to not break the streak. So with the sauna, you know, or, or with your days, maybe there's days you do it longer, you know, maybe some of those things you could do later or different part of the day, <clears throat> excuse me. So like if you, if you just want to get up, prime your body for the day, get aligned, get an intention, start the work day. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you tweak some of those things. Maybe you try and fit, you know, stretching or sauna in later in the day. I don't know, you know, just throwing out, throwing yeah. out ideas or maybe you adjust the time. I love the idea of doing multiple ones at the same time. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, just, you know, it's like, I heard this quote where it was like, evaluate accurately, not kindly. So be, just be honest with yourself. What is really having a big impact? What do I, you know, feel like is more of a delay or time waste? And, and, you know, only you're going to know that and only you're going to know what feels like you're being primed for the best part, you know, or to be the best that you can, uh, you know, be when you show up for whatever you have to do that day. But I love that you're trying, yeah. you know, and that and that people are actually trying stuff. I think it's awesome. Yeah, and uh, I think this is just more of a sort of self evaluation and, and looking at other folks as well. But um, well, well, Tim, thanks so much for joining in. This, this has been awesome. I've run a bit over here. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, guys, it's been great. Thanks for thanks for having me on. It was super fun. Yeah, let, let the audience know. You know, best way to reach you. You know, best way to get in contact with you. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm most active on LinkedIn, Tim Pereira. I, I post written content there uh, every day. And then there's per.wellness uh, on Instagram. You can find us. And then our website is perwellness.co if you want to check out either the Academy waitlist that's coming up or, uh, you know, if, or if you want to work one-on-one -on -one with me and learn, learn more about that. Love it. Appreciate your time. Guys, thanks so much. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Optimize Sales with your hosts, Matt and Sean. We hope you enjoyed today's show and we look forward to bringing you more health and wellness tactics to make you the best sales rep or sales leader possible. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please follow us on Instagram at Optimize Sales, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on all major podcast distros. As always, you can head over to OptimizeSalesShow.com to check out all the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode. And remember, optimize your mind and body, optimize your pipeline.